If you have your Bible, grab your Bible and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3 for just a moment. This is not the sermon. 1 Timothy chapter number 3. I want to read a few verses to you. I want you to follow along with me. Paul writing to Timothy in what's considered the pastoral letters writes these words. The saying is trustworthy. What saying? If anyone, if anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, he desires a noble task. Overseer is not a term that we use on a regular basis. The King James language is bishop, bishop prick. Uh, This is the aspect of the elder ministry that oversees the local church. An elder has multiple roles in the local church, as we'll see as we read a little bit here. So we're talking about the elder, the shepherd, the pastor, the overseer. Same person, same office, different aspects. Therefore, an overseer must be, now listen to these qualifications, must be, number one, above reproach. The husband of one wife. Sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and notice, please, able to teach. Not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, He must manage his household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may be puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Brian Baptist Church, from a human perspective, nothing is more important for the future and the stability of this church than development of elders. Nothing. And by elders, I mean the core group of men who are not paid by the church but volunteer their time to lead the ministry in the Bible. Tonight you're going to hear from a potential elder. His name is Marcus. Marcus has already met all the qualifications. Marcus Lewis has already met all the qualifications of a deacon. We have ordained him as a deacon. You voted him already as a deacon. He is a solid servant. Both he and Autumn serve this church in ways that you cannot imagine. They are so faithful to Awana and they minister to people in the church all the time, behind the scenes, getting no credit whatsoever. They are faithful. Tonight we're going to get an opportunity to hear Marcus teach the Word of God. He's nervous as all get out. Just relax, Marcus. We love you. This is your church. Nobody's going to throw tomatoes at you tonight. Right. All right. We want to hear you articulate the Word of God to gain confidence that you have met this qualification of being able to teach the Bible. You want, as a church, a feeder program to your elders 
so that there is a core group of elders that will guide the future of this church. We do not want Brian Baptist Church to be like this, ups and downs based on whoever the pastor is. We want it to be like this, rock solid 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now. And the elders of the church are the core group of individuals that will make sure that happens. In 2006, when I was interviewed to become the pastor of this church, I was asked this many theological questions. Goose egg. None. Goose egg. We have changed that. We now know the right questions to ask. And we want that core group of elders to lead that transition when and if it's God's timing. All right, let's stand in fellowship with one another. All right, good evening, Berean. All right, so we are going to be in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. I'll let you have some time to turn. I'll give a brief introduction about myself. Uh, as Pastor Sean said, I'm a deacon here at Berean, uh, married to Autumn Lewis. Together we serve in the Awana program in TNT, Truth and Training. Uh, we're serving your third to sixth graders with an amazing group of leaders who are faithful uh, to bring in the word to the kids, right? Uh, we also serve in the nursery, uh, serving the two-year-olds. And uh, in both of those ministries, we can use your help, okay? So if, if you or someone you know is looking for a place to serve, those are two excellent ministries in which you can, uh, you can bless those kids. And I, in turn, those kids will bless you. You'll also find me on Sunday mornings at Sunday school uh, co-teaching the Carolina Christians uh, with my brother Jeff King. If you're looking for a Sunday school, you don't have a Sunday school, you should be in a Sunday school, and the Carolina Christians welcomes you. All right, so uh, again, we are in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we went over verses 1 through 8, and it was a uh, parable. Jesus was talking about prayer. Uh, today, we are also going to touch on prayer a little bit, and uh, uh, Jesus is going to uh, give a lesson that I think we need to hear and uh, some warnings that we need to heed. All right, we'll go ahead uh, and read his word. Chapter 18, verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes up to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. Father, I just pray that you be with me. Lord, I just pray that uh, you help me bring the word. Uh, 
without stumbling over my words or anything like that. Just let everything come clearly. Lord, let your word come through me and let us glorify you in all that we do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves. So this is a warning, okay? Told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they treated others with contempt. Church, we've got to be careful not to be these type of people who trust in themselves and their own righteousness. Why? Because we are not righteous. None are righteous. No, not one. All right? And if we look at somebody else and their sins, we need to look at ourselves. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We've got to be honest with ourselves before we try to look at other people. Nothing we do makes us deserving of eternal life, which was bought by the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay? We have to remember that nothing we do makes us righteous. We can't do it. Verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. All right, so we're talking about two different people, two very different types of people. And you have to think about the time frame in which uh, this parable is being taught, right? Uh, at this point, the Jews are probably thinking, okay, the Pharisees are righteous, right? They're, they're the most righteous people, and those are the ones we look up to. And the tax collector, yeah, no, he's definitely, definitely going to say some bad stuff about the tax collector. So let's take a look at the Pharisee and the tax collector. We won't read all of this, but the Pharisee uh, says in Blue Letter Bible, they sought for distinction and praise by outward observance of external rites and by outward forms of piety such as ceremonial washings, fastings, prayers, and almsgiving, and comparatively negligent of genuine piety. They prided themselves on their fancy good works. Notice the theme, outward forms of piety, and everything's outward. <clears throat> they fancy their good works. They cherished the hope of the dead that after a preliminary experience, either of reward or penalty in Hades, they would be recalled to life by him. So it appears they uh, believe in a resurrection However, uh, they'd be requited, they'd be rewarded, each according to his individual deeds. It'd be their works that helped them. Uh, they possessed great influence with the common people. Everyone looked up to them. Like I said, they were, uh, they were the creme de la creme, right? They were the, they, they were the most righteous in, uh, that, was, that were walking the earth. However, Jesus, uh, they were bitter enemies of Jesus. Uh, he severely rebuked them. He called them out. He knew exactly what they were all about, and and it was not good. He needed to let us know that this was not good. Uh, they were, he was upset with their hollow reliance on their outward works and affection of piety in order to gain popularity. They were happy with their standing. They, they loved the fact that everybody looked up to them. Okay? We are the moral authorities, so to speak. Now, the tax collector, on the other hand, everybody hated them. Everybody hated them. Uh, they were detested not only by the Jews, but also by other nations on account of their employment and of the harshness, greed, and deception which with they, uh, which with they did their job. So these folks were hired by Rome to collect taxes. But they didn't just collect the taxes, right? They would overcharge people so that they can pocket the money. They were greedy. They were looked at as cheats and collaborators with Rome. And Rome didn't care. As long as they got their cut, they're fine. It's clear 
uh, that this parable is directed towards the Pharisees. It's clear to us now, but I bet you back then they, they didn't see it that way just yet. Uh, it'll become more clear as we go through. Verse 11, the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. He's pretty proud of himself, right? He does a lot. Uh, he's not like these other people, right? They, he doesn't look at his sin. He, he looks at the other people. At least I'm not like them, right? We can't compare ourselves to other people. We can't sit there and look at the sin that we can see in other people and think that, well, we're okay because we don't do that. Uh, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. He, uh, he goes above and beyond. He fasts twice a week. They, they, they don't even fast once a week, right? They would fast once a year maybe around the uh, uh, Day of Atonement, and I give tithes of everything. He is really proud of his works. So some observations. Okay, he stand, this is kind of what I picture. He stands alone with his, hand, his head held high, and he's pointing to himself, the only one that he trusts to make himself righteous with God. He can't be righteous for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. He is forgetting that he does sin. He is a sinner. Uh, again, why do you see the speck? Luke chapter 6, verses 41 to 42. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Second half of verse 42. You hypocrite. First take the log that is in your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take, the, take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. We've got to look at ourselves. Again, we've got to be honest with ourselves and look at our sin. We can't be focused on what other people are doing. We've got to look at ourselves, okay? He seems to have a lot of confidence in his own righteousness based on works, his fasting and his tithing. Again, he goes above and beyond to fast and tithe. But what does Jesus think about the Pharisees and their behavior? Uh, he's pretty soft on the Pharisees, right? Uh, let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 23. So you're probably wondering, why would you choose Matthew uh, to, talk, to look at this? Because Luke definitely covers this, right? So I looked at Blue Letter Bible, Harmony of the Gospels, and uh, I was looking at the hypocrisy and ambition of the Pharisees. Uh, Luke does talk about it. In Luke chapter 20, there's three verses. Mark also talks about it. In chapter 12, another three verses. But if you look at Matthew, we've got 40 verses. So I wanted to look at this because, to get a clearer picture of what Jesus thought about the Pharisees. Matthew 23, verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they, whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. Let's just stop here and talk about preaching but not practice. Church, we have got to practice what we preach, okay? We have, if we are going to say that we're Christians, we have to walk the walk, okay? Uh, think about parents. The kids are watching everything you do. Leaders, kids are watching everything you do. Uh, here, here's an example. We lived in Alaska before we, before we moved here. And to go to the mall, uh, we were in Fairbanks, Alaska. To go to the mall, you're traveling about seven hours uh, south. So uh, my middle child, my son, he was a handful, okay? 
He was a handful. He got in trouble before we left. He was, in, he was getting in trouble as we're driving down, and we're halfway to Anchorage, and I've had enough. I'm about to pull the car over. So I said, okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm fussing at him, I'm fussing at him, I'm fussing at him, and then I'm explaining, look, I love you. I don't want you to grow up and to get in trouble with the law. At that time, I saw blue lights. I've been speeding the entire time. So out of his mouth, after the policeman comes, gets my driver's license registration, he said, what happened, Dad? Did you get in trouble with the law? Why is the police officer upset with you? What can I say? I, I wasn't happy when he said it, but however, uh, we've got to practice what we preach. As Christians in the workplace, okay, wherever we go, we've got to practice what we preach because everybody is watching us. Everybody is watching us. They want to, they, they're just waiting to pounce, kind of like sin, crouching at the door. They're waiting to pounce and say, okay, see, that, that, you're just like everybody else. Why, do you, why would I believe in that when, you know, you're not following what you preach? Okay, so we have got to practice what we preach. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. We don't do anything, we don't do any deeds, we don't do any, anything to be seen by others, okay? It's about the heart. It's about why we do it, right? We do it to glorify God, not to be seen by others. Verse 11, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We are going to touch on that a little bit later. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Jesus is soft here, right? For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow others who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Look, I can come to church, I can dress up in my suit, I can come in and look, look, look good, okay? Look good in the suit, all right? But inside, if I am just full of hypocrisy and all uncleanness, I'm not, I'm, I'm not fooling anybody. I'm not fooling God, okay? Uh, the Pharisees, again, their outward works, they wanted to be seen. They, they, they wanted the attention. They enjoyed the attention. Uh, we cannot be full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Uh, Jesus clearly was not okay with their behavior, right? Their righteousness is hollow. It's all for show. Uh, and thinking about that, it reminds me of an apple. So sometimes, you know, before I go to work, I'm going to grab an apple because I want a snack before, you know, to bridge the gap before lunch. And so I'll, I'll go in the refrigerator, I'll grab an apple, and, you know, I want to make sure, okay, there's no bruises, everything's good, okay, this apple is going to be just fine. So i uh, put it in my box, go into work, uh, ready for my snack, I pull out the apple, take a bite, and it's just brown. It's rotten, right? Beautiful on the outside, but rotten inside. That's what the Pharisees were, okay? We can't be like this. We cannot be beautiful on the outside and rotten on the inside. One more observation. Verses 11 through 12 
Look at all the eyes. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. It's all about me, right? That's, that, this is over 2,000 years ago, and today it's all about me, okay? It's, it, it's selfishness. You deserve this. You, you know, uh, live your best life now. You deserve this. It's all about me. Take care of number one, okay? This Pharisee, it was all about him. He doesn't even ask for anything. He doesn't, add, he doesn't ask for forgiveness for his sins. He doesn't ask for, for anything. He just kind of gives God his resume, Okay, hey, look, look at all I've done, and I'm better than these people. They're elevating themselves. We, again, we can't compare ourselves to anybody else. We have got to uh, uh, think about our, our, you know, concern ourselves with our salvation, with fear, and, approach our salvation with fear and trembling. If your prayer life is focused on you and not God, you may want to take a closer look at yourself, okay? Verse 13. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So the tax collector, this is the guy that everybody hated, right? He recognizes that he's a sinner, all right? He he wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven. He's off by himself. It doesn't even sound like he actually entered the temple because it sounds like he doesn't feel like he's worth it, right? He doesn't feel like he's uh, uh, worthy of, of, of being amongst the, uh, the rest of the crowd, right? He wants to be by himself. He can't even look up. He's beating his breast ashamed, okay? He's ashamed of his sin. He has the same attitude towards his sin as God does. He hates his sin. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Uh, again, this is the tax collector that everybody hated. This was definitely not going to be the good guy in this story, right? Well, <clears throat> Some more observations. The tax collector as a person in his prayer is the exact opposite of the Pharisee. So I wanted to put them side by side. The Pharisee is looked up to by the people, right? The tax collector is looked at as cheats, as collaborators with Rome. The Pharisee is standing by himself. The tax collector stands afar off, away from everybody. But the Pharisee is proud of himself. Again, he kind of gives his resume. His, okay, this is why I'm righteous, God. The tax collector, he's ashamed. He's ashamed. He beat his breast. The Pharisee has focused his prayer on the sins of others, how he's not like them. However, the tax collector acknowledges his own sin. The Pharisee trusts in himself and his works for righteousness, his fasting, his tithing, whereas the tax collector trusts in the Lord. He's fully reliant on God, and he asks for mercy. He doesn't ask, God, please forgive me. No, forgiveness is not in there. He's praying for mercy, and he doesn't expect to get it, it doesn't sound like. So, God be merciful to me. I wanted to look at Blue Letter Bible to see what it said about merciful, the word that's being used. The Greek word, which I would rather not pronounce, helaskomahi, maybe. Uh, I'm going to scroll down to expiate, to make propitiation for. Well, I don't know about your English. My English is not that good, uh, uh, propitiation is not a word I use a lot, okay? (laughs) So I wanted to look it up. If you look at how Webster says, specifically, it's an atoning sacrifice. Well, I can deal with an atoning sacrifice. I understand atoning sacrifice. So the uh, the tax collector asked God to be merciful. By his posture and his prayer, he knows he does not deserve it. But God, what does God do? God sends his only son 
to leave the glories of heaven, live a sinless life, be betrayed by someone in his inner circle, be brutally beaten and die on a bloody cross. Why? To make propitiation, to make an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, including this tax collector. Hebrews 2.17, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make an atoning sacrifice, propitiation for the sins of the people. Romans 3.25, whom God put forward as a propitiation, an atoning sacrifice by, the, by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. He is the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us. And 1 John 4.10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, not that we have done anything to earn it. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins. And verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. Jews had to have been like, what? The tax collector? But based on that parable, yes, the tax collector went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. In whom do you trust? Okay, do you trust in yourself? Do you trust in yourself and, and to, to be righteous, to be made right with God? The, the Pharisee trusted in himself and in his own righteousness. But Matthew 5.20 tells you, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What that means to me is there's nobody on this earth, no matter how much I look up to him, right? How much, you know, you, you look at sports figures and say, well, this guy, well, he actually glorifies God when he scores touchdowns. Or this actor, well, you know, he gives glory to God. Or a politician. Okay, so there's other people, you know, other people that they, they you, you idolize them. You can't idolize them. You cannot look up to somebody else on this earth because the Pharisees at that time, they, again, they were the ones that were most righteous. Nobody on this earth, if, 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 if you can compare yourself to, to think that you're going to be righteous because you're not. <clears throat> the tax collector knew he needed a savior. He trusted God. And as Jesus says in verse 14, he went down to his house justified. What are we talking about? We're talking about justification by faith. Romans 3, 20 through 24. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. No works of the law, okay? It's not by works. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift, not by works. You can't earn it. It's by a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Your redemption is through the blood, the blood of Jesus. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Galatians 3.10-11, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. The righteous shall live by faith. We've got to live by faith. 
All right, verse 14. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is not a new thing. Zephaniah 2, 3. Uh, Judah, uh, uh, this was directed at Judah. Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land who do his just commands. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. Perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. Okay, we have our command. The Pharisees should have known better. They have their command. Seek the Lord. Okay, be humble. Seek righteousness. Seek humility. And the greatest example of humility is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also the interests of others. That's talking to us today. We cannot be thinking about just us, what's good for us, okay? It can't be what's good for us. We've got to put others ahead of ourselves. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus came and he was a servant, okay? He didn't, the, the king, he didn't come here for us to serve. He came, he came to serve, okay? We've got to take the example of Jesus. So he's being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, what does God do? God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every, on, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We are to glorify God, folks. Right. Everybody is going to bow the knee in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. So when people are looking at you like, why are you following this doctrine? Why are you living the way you do? That's why. You're going to bend the knee, okay? So you might want to go ahead and follow me. However, if I'm going to tell somebody to follow me, I've got to walk the walk, okay? I've got to live out my faith. We must strive to be like Jesus. Again, if you try to compare yourself to someone else, you're, you're wrong. Because the person, you'll never, you're never going to make yourself righteous. We need to strive to be like Jesus. There needs to be a Christ-like transformation in our lives, okay? People should look at us and see that we are different. That's right. Be humble, okay? Again, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Christ, okay? And bringing glory to God. We do things because we love others, not to be seen. I mean, this goes back to what we talked, to, uh, talked about this morning. I mean, it's talked about in the Old Testament, Leviticus 19, 18, I think it is. Uh, we are supposed to love others, okay? And we do things because we love others, not because we want to be seen. We want everybody to see the works that we do. We need to acknowledge our own sin. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't worry about pointing out their sin. Acknowledge our own sin. And we need to focus our prayers on God and ask for his grace and mercy. Because we don't deserve it. Uh, if we do confess, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't it good that we serve a faithful God? Amen. Right? 
we don't deserve his grace or his mercy because the wages of sin is, is death, right? We're all sinners. What we've earned is death. However, if we trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we receive the free gift of God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, but through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. I just, I just pray that we, we don't do anything for show, Lord. We give all glory and honor to you. Lord, I pray that when we walk out of here, we know to love others, to be humble, to remember it's not about us. It's about you. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to, to preach in front of uh, my family, my church family, Lord. And I just uh, pray that as we walk out of here, we glorify you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name.